All right, welcome back to what is and what could be with Michael Clark Architect. Really excited to have you back again. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen in to this podcast series where we talk through the experience of collaborating with architects and realizing architectural projects. We also talk through ideas relating to architecture and try to a certain extent to get into the mind of architects and designers. If you are a property owner with a piece of land you are looking to develop or a building you want to add to or alter, or you're a business owner renting a commercial tenancy, then my hope is these podcasts help you move forward with confidence whilst working with your architect and other collaborators. Similarly, if you are a collaborator, a contractor, a consultant, fellow architect or student, a musician or artist, basically anyone looking to work with architects, my hope is that these podcasts provide insights to add to your daily practice. All right, uh, I'm sitting here on a sunny afternoon. Actually, um, recorded this a couple of times and was a little bit too dramatic in the first um, few attempts. So I've tried to tone it down because I'm talking about an, ex an exciting stage in the um, experience of working with an architect. And it's the stage we refer to as a concept design. So this podcast is going to talk about the concept of a concept design, the backstory to a concept design. You know, what do we mean when we say concept design? What is it? What can you do with it? What does it look like? Why do we do it? Why don't we just go straight into construction documentation? Why don't we just go straight into the drawings required for a application with council? When do we do it? Uh, and how do we go about doing it? I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But to be honest, a lot of that you're going to have to find out when you engage your architect and work with your architect. This is high level discussions. So just circling back to where we're at in the sequence of things and remind ourselves why we're talking about this. We're on this same topic from episode one answering the question, why? Why work with an architect? And we're answering it in two ways. One, sorry, I need a drink. What do architects do? We're collaborating with an architect. We're entrusting them with an important aspect of our lives. What, what do they do? What am I paying for? And why do they do it? Now, I'm not gonna answer the why in this episode though it might be implied in a way um, by how I re respond to certain topics um, and the passion that you hear from me. But I dare say it'll be something that we maybe dedicate a whole episode to, and it's certainly something I'll revisit with colleagues and other collaborators um, because we all have a different reason. Anyway, so that's the focus. Uh, where are we at? We've met our architect and we've talked through this idea of the four pillars of project realization. Go to episode one to get uh, an insight into this again, but they are time, quality. Sorry, I did that out in the wrong way around. Time, cost, quality. 
and quantity. And they evolve, they morph, they shift, some get prioritized over others. But anyway, we've met to talk through those, okay? And we've gone away to prepare what we call a client and architect agreement. Now, you might say, well, hold on, what do you mean you're preparing something? Aren't you preparing a fee proposal? Yes, this is our fee proposal. We don't call it a fee proposal because we're not just proposing fees, okay? It's an agreement. And the agreement is more than paying us. The agreement is more than us, the architect, the designer, producing drawings. So it's an agreement, right? We're gonna do some things, you're gonna do some things. And that agreement, which might be uh, something bespoke that's developed um, by the architect's practice, uh, or some architect use the client and architect agreement prepared by the Australian Institute of Architects, it doesn't really matter. The point is it's an agreement, right? And that agreement has stages. Those stages define uh, certain deliverables, services for each stage, and a fee associated with that, okay? I'm going to go through this over quite a few episodes. Today, we're focusing on that first stage, the concept design. But there's actually another part to this. There's actually a prologue. There's a um, there's some things that need to happen before we can start designing. If this was a novel we're preparing, you know, what's the, what, yeah, what is the prologue to the story? Okay, we call this pre-design or preliminary design. And it's a bunch of information that we need to be able to design. It includes internal measurements of the existing building, assuming that you are doing uh, internal modifications. It also includes external measurements. Again, assuming you're doing external modifications, both external works, you know, the backyard, the outside, a fence, a pool or whatever, in addition to changing the external envelope of a building. Now, you might be a tenancy fit out and then the external components don't really come into play. Again, it depends. Um, but what we're doing, we, as your architect, are going and measuring up relationships, literally with a tape measure and a laser or a laser measure or, or both. We're measuring up the relationship of elements to each other, wall to wall, floor to ceiling, door to wall, wall to uh, window. And we're producing, we're getting that information, we're going back to the office and we're producing what we call an existing um, floor plan. Now this is a mini milestone because it's kind of exciting. I say it's kind of exciting because there's no ideas, okay? There's no creative exchange. I said this was an exciting stage and this is sort of part of that excitement, okay? Why? We're taking your world that you've lived in, that you've worked in, and we're gonna present it back to you in a way that most people have never seen it, okay? When you bought the house, when you rented the tenancy, maybe someone gave you a floor plan and you looked at it on, to some extent. I certainly labor over the floor plans that I look at when I've considered renting or purchasing properties. Not everyone does that. A lot of people prefer to go and see it or see photos of it, whatever. But we're going to, as a result of this measure up, we're going to provide an abstraction of that world presented 
in a two-dimensional floor plan, a two-dimensional drawing that we call a floor plan, okay? You don't experience your world like this. That's why I call it an abstraction and I call it um, something exciting as well. You don't perceive the world by hovering 1.2 meters above your floor level and then using the world's most extravagant chainsaw to chop all the elements and then move around your house, your business, whatever it is. You generally um, perceive the world by looking at the horizon or, you know, there you're standing vertically and looking at that horizontal axis. So it's exciting because that's not how you've seen your world to date necessarily. And it's exciting because we're taking that world, putting it in the format of our language, the two-dimensional floor plan, a technical drawing, getting your business name or your last name, your family name, putting it on a drawing um, alongside our title block and, you know, existing floor plan, insert address, and handing that to you. That's an exciting exchange. I find it exciting, not as exciting as the actual concept design, but I guess what I'm getting at as to why this is exciting is that the project is moving. Things have got real. We're there. We're in the throes of it. You know, in some respects, there's no turning back. We're moving forward to a concept design. Of course, you can say, look, I've changed my mind based on an existing floor plan. You're welcome to do that. But it's happening. It's moving. Here we go. First exchange. We have to do external measurements as well. Now, we don't do these. Sometimes we don't do the internal measurements, and I'm not going to give every example here. I don't want to overwhelm you with information and examples, but the external measure up is prepared by the usually the first of a series of secondary consultants that you're going to engage. And we call this um, consultant a land surveyor. Now, I'll do another episode on consultants and the architect's role in regards to consultants. But we go to surveyors that we've worked with in the past, we get fee proposals from them or an agreement to keep consistent terms. And then we review that and put it back to you for consideration, um, discussing which of these is the best value for money. I won't go too deep on that topic now, um, but we're assisting in appointing them we're coordinating their output and they're gonna give us this information. They're gonna give us a drawing that describes the relationship of external elements. So the fence to the property boundary, the house to the property boundary, the height of the roof, height of the gutter, height of windows, change of levels across the property, etc., etc. Um, we're gonna get that information, link it to our existing measure up and prepare a set of existing drawings. They might be floor plans and elevations and sections, a three-dimensional model, whatever. But here is what is. We do this to be able to tell you what is. We need to know what is. You need to see that we're um, converting what is into our language. And the last thing we're doing in this pre-design stage is legislative analysis, meaning what are the controls pertaining to your specific site in regards to what's permissible for development? Okay, what does the local government area allow you to do uh, in terms of additional floor area, overall floor area, the relationship of your building to a boundary, um, how high it can be, how much landscape area you need, whatever. Okay, so we're getting that information. And then we're also getting um, 
sort of safety fire analysis uh, information, high level stuff. We're compile compiling that from what we call the Building Code of Australia. We're putting that with the council information and the existing measure up and we're forming, if you like, the raw ingredients to this amazing meal we're trying to make. Just as a side note, you'll appreciate maybe now if you've heard a few of these episodes or you've got any experience with Michael Clark, you'll know that I really like to liken things that we do as architects or any individual really to alternatives. I love working with analogies. Some of what we do is, is hard to appreciate. And I'm being simplistic here, likening what we do to a meal, but it's just an effort for me to make it a little bit more accessible. Um, so here now we have, you know, this, the ingredients to the entree that we're making, the concept design you can liken to an entree. Now, the interesting thing about an entree, um, I'm talking about an entree to a fantastic degustation meal or a meal at someone's um, house. I, I have the, um, I'm very fortunate to have quite a few friends that are incredible cooks. My wife is an incredible cook and, you know, the idea of entree is, is, something I've experienced and I'm very lucky to have experienced, but some people might say it's a waste of time. I'm still hungry. I really want some food. I've just surfed. I've just worked out or whatever it is. Um, you know, but the really interesting thing about an entree when you're ready for a long meal experience is that it triggers the taste buds. It sets the scene and it compels you um, to want to taste more. And in a way, that's what a concept design is about. Now, the other thing I wanted to say is that this, this stage is really exciting. And one of the reasons I'm talking about this with such passion is I really do hope that you as listener, whether you're a collaborator, client, whatever, get a chance to experience this. If not directly with an architect, then indirectly through this podcast or through friends, colleagues, whatever, because it's really exciting to have a professional, in my opinion, to have a professional take your vision as I've said in the first episode, and frame it in their world. Now, two experiences I had this in regards to this recently are I had an arborist, okay? I had an arborist come and look at a tree that was problematic. And they gave me, my name, my wife's name, a fee proposal. And it had my name on it and I agreed to it. I signed it. They came, they climbed my tree, they came down and gave me this story. I actually wasn't here, but they gave my wife a story about this tree. Like this is my uh, vision, if you like. I have a vision, which is a somewhat negative vision that I'm concerned about this tree. And he came and provided a service. You know, he, he framed my vision in his world. Now that wasn't a creative undertaking. The next one is, uh, or sorry, was, it's ongoing. Um, I got a graphic artist that's looking at um, my, 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 my logos, my, my branding. Um, and, uh, you know, it was really special for me to provide, uh, my vision, my thoughts on, on my branding. You know, I have an opinion on graphic art design, but I don't necessarily know what's achievable. I know what is, but I don't really know what could be. Um, and I could probably research how to do it, but there's no way that I could do it, um, with the same amount of rigor or energy or creative focus necessarily, I'm selling myself short maybe, uh, but you get what I'm saying, as a graphic artist, okay? They came back to me framing my vision in their world and that was 
really quite exciting an experience and so um, I hope that you get the chance to experience that so now let's move into the concept design phase okay I want to take a step back and be clear when I'm working on a concept design and I can speak for other colleagues and friends there's two parts one I'm concerned I go to a property and I go, I got no idea what I'm going to do here. I'm not sure how I'm going to make that work. You know, I'm concerned. I'm, there's an element of fear. That's an intense word to use. But I'm not sure that I can come up with something that resonates, certainly at that first meeting. I look and I just go, hmm, not really sure. But that's offset by the fact that I've developed a process that makes me confident that I'm going to um, come to a point where I'm going to um, discover or, or, or realize um, uh, something that I can put to you for discussion that will resonate. It'll be a talking point, we like to say. So that balance is important. You know, the concern helps me maintain focus and I'm not it's not debilitating concern because I've done it before and I have a process, an evolving process that gives me confidence, okay? But similarly, you as collaborator, as client, might have an element of concern. You've only just met this person, really. You're entrusting them with the backdrop, the frame to your life, your working life, your personal life, your bathroom, your kitchen, where your kids are going to sleep, where your dogs are going to sleep, your cats are going to sleep, whatever it might be. There's a lot of trust there, okay? I don't know that this person is going to come up with something that's going to resonate. So I'm going to suspend a little bit of disbelief, rely on other things that have got me to this point, references, precedents, their previous work, whatever it might be, um, see what we come up with. I'm asking architect to really put the chips on the table um, and show me what you've got. You know, I got excited about the floor plan being submitted, the existing floor plan being submitted, because that's an element of things getting real. Now, the concept design is a step above that because this is a creative pivot. We're going from what is shown in the existing plan to what could be shown in the concept design. Okay. So with that aside, what, what is it? Uh, what are we actually providing? Well, uh, just taking a step back actually before we get into that detail, it's important to note that the concept design is high level, broad brush, fatter pencil, uh, thicker pen. It's not fine detail. We're talking about broader relationships. We're talking about the relationship of a room to another room, a room to a corridor, the interior to the outside, the overall massing volume, okay? It's a focused design on, um, well, sorry, I should rephrase that. It's a broader design linking um, uh, bigger elements, like a room is a bigger element than what's in the room, how the room is finished. So we're talking about where the door sits, not what the door's made of. We're talking about where the kitchen sits and how long it might be, not where the oven necessarily goes or the range hood necessarily goes. We're talking about where the outside, the main entry point is, 
not what the threshold of that entry looks at, not you know the finish transition from inside to outside. Okay, but importantly, it's a springboard to go further and it needs to be malleable. Now, um, if you've listened to previous episodes or again, had many dealings with me, I can't help but throw in elements that make me come across as facetious, um, you know, literally thinking, hey, your design needs to be malleable. Cool, I've made it out of memory gel. I've made it out of flexible fabric. The whole thing's basically a tent structure that can collapse. That's not what I mean. Um, I mean that it needs to be flexible enough to be able to adapt and evolve as we go forward, okay? It needs to be flexible enough for the client to be able to provide feedback um, and for you to amend the design based on that feedback. And really important, it needs to be flexible enough for the client to feel involved. If it's so definitive and seemingly so resolved, then there's a tendency, I'm not saying every single time, but there's a tendency to think, well, I, how do I contribute? It's done, it's finished. You know, you buy, I'm staring at an Apple Mac here and I'll probably talk about this a lot throughout these series, but I buy an Apple Mac knowing that there's not really much opportunity for me to participate in the development of that design other than what programs go on it and maybe the settings and whether it's gray or, or, or the other colors. I'm now not sure what other colors are available in Apple Mac. Um, but that can't be the case for this. You have to participate. There's a lot of time investment. There's a lot of financial investment. So we've got to be able to let clients participate and that design has to be malleable enough to think, to allow them to engage and participate. But contrast to that, it actually still needs to be defined enough for you as client and collaborator to get a real feel for what's going on and for others to comment and contribute like a quantity surveyor or a builder or some other consultant that we want to participate. And this is why, going back to the uh, when we do it, um, this is why it's the thing we do first, okay? Someone comes and says, but uh, hold on, I, you know, I don't need a concept design, let's just submit the DA drawings. Well, there's a lot of work to do a DA drawing and what if you don't like the design? What if there's an element of the design that has to change? Even worse, if you say, let's just go straight into documentation for construction, there's a lot more work involved in documenting something for construction. And so if you need to, uh, it's very hard or harder to make that more malleable or flexible without incurring quite a lot of cost. So we really need this to be the first thing we can do so that we can march forward to the next stages with confidence. Um, Okay, but what does it include? It includes diagrams, and we discuss all these in detail, floor plan or floor plans if there's multiple levels, a vertical section, so a cross section or a long section, 3D studies, precedence, and maybe some other stuff. Okay, so in regards to the diagram, why is this first? Well, for me, I love distilling an idea down to, you know, a level of something uh, like a diagram. And I do this for two reasons. One, uh, the pursuit here is to make things accessible, to really immerse the client in the process. Um, and I can't do that if I start with a floor plan. 
if I start with a series of diagrams, you know, think about them as glorified markups over the existing drawings or site plan, you know, analysis, 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 whatever. I layer that, I layer that, I layer that. And by the time I've got to the end of that and I reveal a floor plan, you get it or you get some of it or most of it. And there's other architects that um, do this really, really well uh, in three dimensions, in two dimensions, whatever. That's something I really like to do. That's one reason. The second thing I like, uh, the second reason I like to do it is it makes me th uh, think about my design um, in like a sentence. You know, there's a lot of ideas in the design, but let's just strip it all back to one powerful sentence as if I'm presenting to a design jury. I'm not saying my work is worthy of an award, but maintaining that focus helps me keep um, a simplicity that makes things accessible. So there's a diagram. Then we're talking about a floor plan. And the floor plan, uh, I said, is an abstract representation of three dimensions into two dimensions. A two-dimensional plane as viewed 1.2 meters from floor level um, looking down. Now it's cool because this is our language we're putting an idea to you in our language, but fact is it's code, okay? And that's why I like having these other elements. There's nothing wrong with you as individual if you look at this code and you don't appreciate, oh, I can understand the quality of that space, that material, the qualities of light, the scale, the relationships. It's hard to do that from this code. And there's nothing wrong with you admitting that. There's nothing, it's, it's, it's even within the profession, there's architects that can't perceive other architects' floor plan and look at it and say, right, wow, what an exciting space. Okay, that's why the floor plan's not enough. We have to do it, this is our language, but it's not enough by itself. Now, important to note at this concept design, the measuring stick of, you know, labor, the amount of work, might be how many lines you see on the page, right? Someone once said to me that architects are professional line movers. <laughs> you know, we're positioning a line in relationship to other lines and those lines represent elements in the real world, a wall, a door, a floor, um, finish, etc., etc. Now at this concept design phase, because it needs to be malleable, it's the first pass, there's not as many lines on the page as you would ordinarily see in a developed um, floor plan for construction or for council submission. For example, walls are shown with a solid hatch, a solid blob color uh, between the outside line of the wall and the inside line of the wall. When compared to construction, where you'd offset lines that would show the buildup of the elements on that wall, the lining, the framing, the internal lining, um, and so on. So you can't measure that drawing in terms of the amount of lines to see what value you're getting, how much work was put into that. Because this stage is all about ideas. The idea of where that wall sits relative to another um, element. Um, so it's not about how many lines on the page. It's about the idea as to what those lines represent, certainly at this stage. Um, then we have a section, and a section is um, uh, it, it's more relatable to how we perceive the world, I suppose, because it's showing a vertical relationship. You know, you can see the ceiling, you can see the floor, you can see a person, and get a feel for that volume as cut at that point. It's a vertical cut in some at some location along the floor plan. 
And this is how we see the world looking to the horizon. The only problem with that is that it's one moment only, excuse me, it's one moment only. It's not showing us uh, when we're standing in that section, how things move beyond that, unless it's a sectional perspective, but you can have a series of them. I've certainly designed, you know, in my head, the diagram for a house based on a section. A lot of the time, that's certainly what I do more so than a floor plan. But you wouldn't be, um, no one would declare you naive or ignorant if a floor plan and section was still, even the diagram was still not enough to really get you into that space. So we're still going, we're still doing more. We're really trying to get, get you in that space. So then we do 3D studies. We do models, we do perspectives, the technology available for virtual 3D um, fly-throughs uh, is fantastic these days. You can really set up situations where the quality of light um, and other textures, you know, in real time, we can change the time of the day, uh, the season, and show you the light qualities in the design. And so that can be really special, and that's certainly something I like to do. Again, this list is not a definitive list for all architects in all of Australia. This is what I do. I dare say that a lot of us do similar things, but this is, this is my story. Um, then we go into precedence. Now, precedence can be good or bad. The cool thing about a precedent is we can show you an element of the design as built before. So we're not making this up. And here's what it looks like in context. So that's great. The problem is that you can't help but look at the whole picture and think, oh, I like what you're talking about with the kitchen there, but the ceiling slope is a bit funny or the windows are a bit off. And fair enough for you having that concern. Um, so we've got to be very careful about the precedents we show and the focus that those precedents have. Um, but they're a really good insight. You know, we're layering things up to really get you into that space, into that idea. And then the last thing is just other, I call this other bits and pieces. Um, it might be music, it might be a poem, it might be something from a novel, an element from a film. You know, you could call this precedent, uh, other than buildings or other than spaces. But I like this because how often do you look at a floor plan of your house or other people's houses or other people's offices or a section? Or how often do you look at precedents and think about them in the context of your life? Well, maybe not as much as you listen to a song or you watch a movie or a TV series or look at artwork or read books. Okay. So Again, going back to this idea, talking about the entree, my plight, my passion is to really get you in there, to make things accessible, to go from an esoteric language. Esoteric means a language understood by um, few, so a floor plan or a section, and move to the exoteric, which is a language understood by all. Okay, I've got to get you in there. You're going to spend a lot of time on this, you're going to spend a lot of money on this. You're going to live in the space. You're going to work in the space. You've got to feel like it resonates and it works for you. You've got to be excited about it. Or you've got to say, I get it and it doesn't work for me, whatever. And so they're the things that I provide, okay, in this concept design phase. And there you have it as a package. Where do you go from here? Now, importantly, there's a lot of information to digest. So you've got to let it simmer. Don't then and there say, I don't like this size, move this, whatever. Like really just 
walk away from it. You can have questions at that time, things that you think don't work, that's great, but go away and let it simmer. You know, digest it all. Show it to your friends, family, have a, I don't know, house meeting about it to discuss it. Maybe you wanna mark it out or walk it out, ideally with your architect, you know, put masking tape on the floor or outside to imagine the size of some of the rooms, um, whatever. You could take it away and then say, I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm excited, but I'm just gonna leave it settle for six months, 12 months, whatever it might be. You know, it's really exciting to think of what could be. I'm just gonna leave it there for the moment. You're under no obligation to say to architect, yep, let's go to the next stage. And that's why this is exciting. You could frame it or you could throw it. You could say, let's move forward, or you could just, I don't know, sell the property off, uh, off the back of that and use the concept design to help increase the market value in the sales campaign. There's so much you could do with this, okay? But if you're saying, okay, let's go. I like this, let's move forward. What's gonna happen next? You can make tw changes and, and say, architect, let's shift some things around and sure, you can look at that. But if those changes are relatively small, let's increase the size of this room by half a meter or 300 mil or move a door. They're sort of minor and we should park those and go to the next stage, which is to put dollars against this, to cost it, to put a budget estimate against the proposed design. Now, I'm gonna interview a quantity surveyor who's a cost consultant I work with a lot, and I like to get them in at this stage so that we know, moving forward, how much things might cost. Remember, it's an estimate. You need to brace yourself for the reality of this not aligning with your vision, not aligning with your cost. We'll talk about that in another episode. All right, the last few things I wanna say is that this is not the end, okay? If you are moving forward and the budget works, this is not where design stops. Really important to note this, and that's why I get so excited about this. It's the first pass. We're talking about macro relationships, big picture stuff. As we move forward towards the application to council, the documentation for a builder, working on site, the design focus is going to narrow. You know, we're not gonna look at where the door sits or where the room sits. We're gonna look at what the door's made of. And design is gonna keep being considered all the way through to the point where you get the keys. Okay, so three, four weeks, six weeks out of the builder finishing, you're not gonna say, I want this room to move. You can, but there's gonna be some big time and cost implications. But usually that's not what we're going to talk about. You might, however, say, look, I don't really think the specified gloss level to the paint on that wall works with what I'm thinking anymore or for the floor polish, or I think this light switch is in the wrong location, whatever it might be, okay? This is the concept design, the overall um, response to your vision as framed in our world, to use my business coach's um, concept that we've done creatively, but it doesn't stop there. And that's one of the exciting things about working with an architect or, or a designer. Every curveball every design development, every input from another collaborator, we're going to get and review against this original concept. Does it mean the concept has to be reviewed, changed, tweaked, whatever? And is that okay? We're not going to do that without your involvement. 
each pass, each stage, we're going to say, this is a problem and it's a problem because it's going to result in a change to the concept. What can we do? And we're going to fight tooth and nail and it's, sounds like an extreme use of words, but we're going to put up a fight to make sure that we're doing this with consideration each step of the way with your involvement. Okay, there's critical thinking here. You're not outsourcing critical thinking. You're giving it to us to initially uh, put ideas on the page for you to then critically think about and say yes, no, or maybe. And we're going to keep doing this as things develop. Okay, as I said, that's an exciting stage for me. I'm sorry if I overwhelmed anyone with um, any uh, passion. Um, it's, a, it's a really exciting stage. It needs to be exciting. The idea needs to be able to propel us forward because it's a long haul and there's obstacles, as I said. So if this design doesn't really light us up, doesn't really excite us, then it's going to be a longer haul than it needs to be. All right. So end of the episode. Thank you so much for joining us. We discussed the concept of a concept design. You're listening to What Is and What Could Be with Michael Clark, Architect. Thank you again for joining. Enjoy the rest of your day and see you next time.